welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Welcome to another chapter of Turn the Page, the official podcast of Syosset Public Library. This is Jen, your host today, and I'm here with the writer of a really fun and timely new satire. Could I ask you to introduce yourself and the book, please? Uh, Yeah, uh, my name is Andrew Schaefer, uh, and the book that I'm talking about today is called Feel the Burn, a Bernie Sanders mystery. It's a cozy mystery starring Bernie Sanders, set in Vermont in the high-stakes maple syrup industry. (laughs) It's so much fun, Um, and it's such a good parody and a love letter to Maine and sort of all things uh, Northeastern in the the States. And I wanted to ask first, before we got into this book, just about your your career in comedy writing in general. Um, You've been really prolific in parody writing. You have the Obama-Biden Mysteries, uh, the Fifty Shames of Earl Grey series, uh, which is published under like a truly fantastic pen name, by the way, Fanny Merkin. It's just, it's Perfect. Um, And so many more. Um, And I'm wondering, um, what got you into writing satire and parodies? And um, how did you like your career in comedy writing lead you to this book? Um, You know, it's funny. I I don't know how I got on that track, really. Um, I just know the first book I ever remember writing myself was called Pee Wee Penguin's Igloo, and it was a parody of Pee Wee's Playhouse, starring a penguin. <laughs> and I and I didn't really understand what parody was at the time. It was basically a copy, um, only starring a penguin instead of Pee Wee Herman. So uh, that was the first thing I remember writing, and and it was a parody. And then I, sometime after that, I wrote something called the the Junkie League of America. Which was like the Justice League, only if they were all drug addicts. Um, and this was like in third or fourth grade. Um, it was quite advanced for the time, I, I think. But I passed it around in class, and, and of course, all the you know all the other kids would read it and laugh and stuff and pass it around. And so it was uh, it was quite out there. But I don't know. So I started to write stuff that I could see could get like a reaction from people very early on, and. Um, and, you know, and but it, I kind of put that down for a long time. I tried to write serious books and uh, and I tried to write serious stories. Uh, I went to, uh, to the Iowa Writers Workshop for a while where I would try. I was like, I'm going to be I'm going to write Philip Roth style stuff. And it was just really boring. And and I was just like, oh, this doesn't really feel like me. And so, yeah, it's it was sort of a circuit. Uh, circuitous a roundabout route (laughs) to get to get all the way to uh actually writing this stuff uh you know for a living the first book that i published was called great philosophers who failed at love and it was a nonfiction look at the love lives of philosophers and it was it was funny but it was it was very tongue-in-cheek and it was a little bit highbrow and and when i came up with the idea for uh, 50 Shames of Earl Grey, a parody of 50 Shades of Grey, uh, my my agent was like, you know, you could, this is not quite as highbrow. It's not quite on your brand. This is kind of like more like if you're going to try to be the weird owl of publishing. And I go, 
yes, that's exactly what I want to be. Weird Al of publishing. And so, and so that, and so she's like, okay, I guess, you know, it doesn't pay that great. And I was like, I don't care. That's, that's, that's what I want to be. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, so I started, I I very slowly then started to turn around and started to do more, more humorous books and stuff. And I said, anything that's humorous, throw me out there for. And so it's like, you know, I've got books that are horror books that are sort of a little bit noirish thrillers. And then I've got this new book, which is a cozy mystery. So my my genre keeps changing, but I think the basic, the the thing that threads it all is there's a sort of a, a sense, a dry sense of humor that that goes through all of my work. And it and again, it it changes based on what I'm writing. You know, I started I my last couple of books were uh, Obama Biden mysteries, and they were a bit harder edged, starring Joe Biden as the gruff narrating detective. But, you know, once I started to work on the Bernie book, I was like, oh, I got to change genres because this is takes place in Vermont. There are no, you know, mean streets of Vermont for <laughs> for for a detective to go investigate on. And I was like, it's it's a it calls for a different kind of detective. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. And I'm really curious about like the genres that you have chosen. Were they all genres that you sort of had a, a fondness for already? Or were they, you know, genres that you sort of approached uh, from the outside, as it were, and sort of got to know as as you were parodying them? Yeah, um, it, it's 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 always different. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I, I I read a lot of noir and mysteries uh, sort of more in line with the Obama Biden books. Um, and I read a lot of horror. Those are kind of my main genres that I read in. So for to do a cozy mystery was quite a quite a change of pace. And I had read a few cozy mysteries before, but it wasn't until this that I was like, oh, I got to pick these up and see, you know, th- there's more to this genre than just, a, you know, a pun, t- pun in the title or something. You know, they're always, they're always, um, yeah, they're the books that you see on the shelves. A lot of people may not know what they are, but they the mysteries with the they have the little cartoon covers sometimes or painted covers, and it and it says some of them, you know, some of them are puns, and some just say "Death by Blueberry Pie," and you're like, it's not a pun. It's not even. It just yeah. And so you know, so that you you'll recognize them if you see them. But basically, it's like Hallmark novel, Hallmark movies, you know, with with a little, little side of murder, and. <laughs> You know, the main thing that I learned, though, was that the murder is often it is the side of murder. It's not the main dish in these books. The main dish is the relationships between the protagonist and uh, usually her uh, small town, uh, her relationship to the people in her small town. It's oftentimes someone who's returned after a long absence and has to run the bakery after someone passed away, their aunt passed away or something. And, and, you know, and then they're like, oh, and by the way, there's a dead body here. Um, and then they'll kind of investigate it, but it will go chapters without even mentioning, mm-hmm. you know, the body. It'd be like, what? I thought there was, was all about a the mystery about a body. And the way they treat these bodies, it's uh, Murder, She Wrote is probably the most famous one uh, as far as a television show goes um, of a cozy where you know there's like a thousand people that die on that show over the course of how many years and it's a it's a town with less than ten thousand people so this the murder rate there is astounding you know (laughs) um and and i'm and yeah so it's like 
you you have murder, but it's also kind of treated lightly. You know, it's just it's sort of a plot device more more than you never have anybody that's that's uh, has a really gruesome death. You know, there's never any serial killers, never anything that's gross. You know, I mean, so it was it was tough writing this. I was like, oh, I can't swear. I can't. You know, uh, Bernie's favorite word is the F word. I mean, he doesn't say it in public, but I was reading all those behind the scenes books is he is he he will shout it. And so I was just like, how do I get through a whole book with, (laughs) you know, with this guy with without him shouting? So you have to. So there were these parameters that but I kind of find that fun to, you know, write within a certain parameters and then. And then again, sort of parody those genre conventions at the same time that you're acknowledging them. Yeah, I always kind of like to think of it as like, um, you know, writing a sonnet as opposed to like a free verse poem, you know, like you're still, you're yeah, doing yeah. something within like rules, you know, that you're kind of giving yourself, you know. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's what it is. It's, and I notice, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't know a lot of writers that do well without rules of any sort. Mm-hmm. You just say, sit down and write something. Uh, you know, a lot of people will churn out a novel. They don't know what it is and it could take them years and years. And, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's 2000 pages and it's about six generations of family. You know, you're like, who's going to buy this or read this? <laughs> I mean, the first thing you have to do really, when you start writing a novel is look at, look at what you like to read, uh, go to the library, go to the bookstore, look at the shelves and say, what other books are out there? Like the one I'm going to write. So many writers just go, you know, and you have to go, oh, well, the length of the books I like to read are, you know, 250 or 300 pages, you know, and I'm like, I'm not going to write a thousand page book. So I know some stuff right off the bat about myself. But again, there's a lot of stuff I do have to learn, you know, by way of research, that genre and reading those books. And now will I go pick up more uh, cozy mysteries and read them? I don't know. I, I found the the limitations, they were pretty limiting, I think, to, you know, one of my favorite television shows is called Only Murders in the Building. It's on Hulu, and it's Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. And it is a cozy by certain definitions in terms of the murder and everything, and how close-knit the community is and the relationships in this building. However, you know, they swear a lot. Um, it's set in a city and not a small town. So, you know, would that be considered a cozy? Probably not by the strict definition, you know. And so I found some stuff like that. I'm like, I think I'd like to see that the genre sort of widen, you know, a little bit to encompass more. Um, I think you see you see the same thing with lots of genres go through this evolution over the years. But for some reason, it's like, oh, it's set in a city. I'm sorry, that really can't be a, a small down cozy. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, why not? <laughs> like, could there be anything cozier than just like, you know, one of those fancy buildings on the Upper West Side? You know, like those are little like micro, micro. I know. You know, like it's very cozy. Everybody knows everybody. Like it's. it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the whole the whole sort of the reason they set in small towns mostly because you got the you got a limited number of suspects, you know. However, I mean, eventually, I think everybody in that town becomes a murderer at some point. <laughs> Certainly, um, in murder, like it's a very nice town that seems to have like a lot of drifters <laughs> that pass through and murder people. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Oh, well, that's really all very interesting. And I'm wondering, you know, like how, um, you know, I guess like what drew you to Bernie and what drew you to um, including a um, a younger sort of co-protagonist that accompanies Bernie? Because you have his intern who's like a, yeah. a Zoomer uh, named Crash. And um, mm-hmm. could you talk about like, yeah, what drew you to Bernie and what drew you to this like dynamic? Well, you know, I had some ideas for other series that I wanted to do after Obama-Biden. You know, uh, Joe Biden's busy in the White House. He doesn't have time to solve mysteries. I get it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was like, well, I wanted to do one that was called Hillary Clinton Pet Detective, where she had like a little tiny toy uh, dog named uh, Bill that went around with her everywhere and they solved crimes. And my agent and the editor were like, I just don't think this is going to work. And I was like, really? Because it's so fun. Um but so that didn't that didn't that didn't really take off. They're like, if any other politicians and I'm like, well, I'm kind of running out of them. I mean, unless I want to go, you know, and start writing about uh, Republican politicians. I did one book on Trump yeah. uh, a couple of years ago, and it was a people were not ready to laugh at him at the time. They were they were afraid. And so there it was not funny. And so it was just a bad timing and everything. And I was like, well, I don't know if I'd do that again. Um, and so I sort of settled on Bernie just uh, by DV was like the last, <laughs> last politician standing um, mm-hmm. that that I thought could work in terms of a, a, a mystery novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was really process of elimination. And and, you know, I didn't know much about Bernie. I was uh, I was never like a Bernie bro or Bernie fan. Um, I was I, I was more into Joe Biden during those uh, and Hillary Clinton. So I, I really had to learn a lot about about a Bernie. And I mean, like, read every one of his, you know, his campaign biographies, read behind the scenes stuff, read stuff from 40 years ago from when he was mayor, 50 years, whenever, that, you know. And I was like, I, I could read stuff that was 40 years ago from him. And it sounds exactly the same as he does today. Wow. Amazingly consistent. So I sort of had a newfound respect for this guy. I was like, I was like, wow, this guy, he has never changed. It never changed his beat. It's just always been the same. Um, so, which is, which is just amazing. And so, you know, once I sort of learned a little bit more about Bernie and I was like, yeah, I think this could work. Um, then I was like, when you're writing a cozy, again, this comes out of the genre conventions. Not a lot of them are, are narrated by, um, 80 something year old men. Um, um, they're, they're almost always narrated by women and, and usually, uh, women in their twenties or thirties or something. And so, um, you know, I think it was my agent who was just like, how about just adding, uh, uh, you know, someone to solve the crime with him, like an intern or something. And, and was like, I'll, I'll see, I'll see if that works, you know, and and surprisingly, uh, it ended up working really well. I think at first I was just I wasn't really sure because I was like, it would be a lot easier to just do it in his voice the whole time. And then you get someone who's really gruff to narrate the audiobook and everything, you know. But then again, um, you kind of have the the problem of the most interesting person in the book being in first person. So you don't get to sort of 
see them through someone else's eyes, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, the funny thing about Bernie solving a crime is he's, you know, he's in his eighties and he's going to be, you know, bumbling and he's going to be so sort of aloof that he's going to talk about his politics, you know, instead of the case at hand sometimes. And I'm like, you know, if I want to do that, I want to see it through someone else's eyes. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we sort of, it was like, yeah, the intern really worked well for that. Um, you know, now I will say the hardest part about writing uh, an intern wasn't, I mean, it's it's a female intern, which is fine. I've written books with, with women before and my wife will, will read it and call out anything. And I've got, I've got all these women that are beta readers. I've got all these people around me that will read it for certain things. Mm-hmm. But the, the hardest thing is for someone who's in that generation Z, um, you know, I was just like, uh, this is kind of entirely new to me, you know, and I was, you know, um, you know, what's funny is I know people that age, but they're not like, you know, the stereotypical generation, Z, you know, they're not like what you see on the news or whatever. And, and as soon as I started to write someone who wasn't stereotypical, it was a little bit easier. But, but again, you know, my, my editor was like, Oh, you know, they have to sound young, the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know. I know people like that age that sound normal to me, you yes. know, <laughs> yeah. I go, I go just because you're, I mean, I'm generation X and I mean, in some ways I identify with other people in my generation, but in a lot, I did not, I, you know, I don't, I just, there were a lot of things I didn't get, mm-hmm. uh, Beanie Babies, didn't get them, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh Disney movies in the 90s did not understand it you know and this was stuff that was big so I'm like I'm like not everybody of a generation has to be that way so yes. um I so I sort of walked the line between sort of playing into some sort of generational divides but also having her kind of you know cast a side eye to maybe some of her her classmates or whatever in that in you know in that age range saying I'm not you know I'm a little more grown up than these people but yeah, it was that was the toughest thing, just trying to get into a young person's mind. I'm like, what are these words they're using these days? I just read an article in the Washington Post that said young people don't use periods when they're writing because um, it's it's triggering or something. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's too final. It's too final. And they're like, and I was like, what? And so you know, I'm just you read stuff like that. And you're like, oh no, what's happening to the world? I was like, <laughs> I can't. I don't know. But I, as far as I know, people that age are still using periods. I don't know what's going on in the Washington Post some days. Yeah, they, they sort of like approach different generations, sort of like, a you know, an anthropologist, con- you know, <laughs> in touch with an uncontacted tribe, you know, like it's they mm-hmm. size it a little bit, you know, and I do like that you took this approach with her that made her, you know, definitely of her generation, but not like, yeah, not like a walking stereotype you know um and something that I really liked about it was that it does sort of like you know that is sort of the the relationship that like a lot of the a lot of youths have with Bernie like he's very lovable and they like him but like he's also a baffling grandpa you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean the, the the biggest thing that I faced probably there was that Bernie is totally with it he is not sort of he's not he's not really bumbling at all i mean i played up the bumbling stuff but you know like oh, i don't know modern technology but he knows modern technology he knows all this stuff mm-hmm. and he's really on top of things and which made it really hard to you know make him funny in that respect i was just like so i just kind of had to 
play that up and 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 hopefully he'll forgive me if he ever sees it <laughs> nice yeah yeah he he speaks his mind in a way that i think like amuses uh you know maybe gen zers um could you talk a little bit about um a little bit more about this research that you did with him because something that i read about your work on the obama biden mysteries was that you listened to joe biden's speaking voice a lot and you looked at mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. he said and to capture his voice did you do that with bernie too and perhaps did you even like did you listen to some like young people you know <laughs> i don't think even bernie would recommend listening to his voice for that <laughs> um <laughs> you know you know i didn't you i didn't because uh, the book's not in his point of view, so I didn't feel like like I felt I had to capture his voice, but only only through someone else's you know voice. So what I did, you're right, you're on the right track there because I did listen to uh, several audiobooks that were um, sort of like like chicklet, uh, whatever the new term for chicklet is. The there's a lot of these new sort of uh, new adult books where where the heroines are or in their early 20s or something. And so I listened to some of those audiobooks to kind of get sort of uh, uh, the right sort of vocal cadence and stuff down that I wanted and and to say, what would someone sound like? And, you know, and I'm listening and I'm like, there are periods in here. I can hear them. This person is not, <laughs> uh, you know, um, so, yeah. So I, and in fact, um, in fact, I, ha- I have a friend who's, uh, uh, daughter wrote a couple of books and she got them published and she's in her early 20s. I read those and I was like, I was like, you would not realize these books were written by, you would say these books are written by someone in their their 30s or 40s or something. Um, I'm like, there. so there are uh, intelligent people out there who use periods and who are not just, you know, uh, just addicted to their smartphones and all this kind of stuff we worry about, you know? So, but that was the, the, a lot of different research went into that where I was, you know, <laughs> I had a list I drew up at one point though, of like different words I need to use in this book, uh, different, uh, generation Z words and, and I'm going down it and, 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 um, the, uh, it was actually my editor's intern read the book and was and like pointed out like half of these words I think and was like this sounds like you're being patronizing here this sounds like you're... I was like what no that's a total that's totally a word you you kid you kids use hey kids <laughs> I, I don't even remember the words they went in one ear and out the other but I was like what you guys don't say. I, I did I think I said something was on fleek and I'm like, are we not doing that anymore? Are we not? Are we are we I thought we were doing that, kids? Yeah. That was so recent, but I think the problem is that it now cycles so fast. So that to us mm-hmm. it seems recent, but to them it's like, oh, that's like, you know, 15 social media cycles ago. So well, they're like, Yeah, that was when I was a kid. And I'm like, no. You mean like five years ago? Yeah. <laughs> You're so young. You have no idea. But yeah, so so it's it's interesting. And it really exposed me to a lot of different different, you know, books out there and stuff. And and I mean, it's tough when when you're a writer and you're doing all this research, you just don't get to read for fun. You 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 sort of absorb all this material. And then at some point you're like, oh, someday sometime I'm going to read a book for fun again. And then. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Could you talk a little bit about. the book within the book, the one that uh, Bernie is reading. I was fascinated by this um, because it's very funny. Just a few months ago, I interviewed 
a writer who wrote a cozy mystery about a marijuana dispensary. <laughs> and oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was called A Half-Baked Murder uh, by Emily George. Okay. And so it gave it like a sort of like um, a level of like meta reality to me. I was like, oh, he's reading a book that I have <laughs> I have read. I could imagine that. Um, so I wonder if you could talk about like crafting, you know, the series within the book and the recipes in the back, because there's like some very delicious sounding recipes that are. In yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is, I mean, a year and a half ago, when two years ago, when I started the book um, there, I couldn't find any cozy dispensary <laughs> you know, mysteries or anything. And so that was actually a secondary idea. I had to do a cozy mystery series that was set in a dispensary. And, and I was, and of course that one didn't take off, but what I was like, you know what, I can actually sort of take the ideas I had for this and, and move them into this book and sort of slyly get that book that I was thinking of out there. And I, because I was like, it's not, you know, the cozy mystery audience and the audience for anything uh, CBD or dispensary related or anything is it's kind of coming together and and Bernie was Bernie's always been a, a very big advocate for marijuana uh, uh, legalization and as I, it sort of all fit together in the book to have him be it, it all appears in the book as if Bernie is a fan of cozy mysteries and sort of reads them on the side without anybody knowing mm -hmm. and and I'm, as far as I can tell, he doesn't do any reading for fun. Every time someone asks him about what he's reading, it's, you know, it's, it's political scientists or something. So, you know, so that, that was just a little bit of, I was like, I was trying to just put a little bit of levity into the book. And, and I was like, it, I just thought it would be real fun. So I have to, who's the author that did that book? You said? Oh, Emily George. It comes out in March. It's not out yet. Um, oh, okay, cool. I'll, I'll have to check that out then. Because yeah, no, I was just like, the, was, I was like someone, it's one of those things where, where whoever's first to get there, and it sounds like she is, <laughs> is the one that, you know, you stake your claim there, because after that, it's just going to be a flood of them, probably, you know, if it does well, right. But I'm like, you got to be the first one there. And I was like, I'm not gonna be the first one there. But I, I just thought I'd put it in the book as sort of a fun <laughs> little lark. Um, and it's yeah, and so it's, uh, that was just sort of a fun little thing. But um, the second question you had was about the recipes that are in the back. And I, I, I always like that they have these little recipes in the back of Cozy Mysteries, although it kind of confused some people in like our marketing team and stuff. They're like, what is this, a cookbook? Or is this a, or is this a, what is this? You know, and I was like, so they had to actually sort of play down the fact that there are recipes in this. And they're like, let's just take out the word recipe and and let people find it you know because it was on, on the front and they're like it just looks too much like a cookbook <laughs> <laughs> um i think people who read cozies are used to having mysteries and to having recipes in there yeah um, it's just people outside of that just look at it just it's like what is going on here and i'm like no i've read a lot of a lot of a lot of these and so i wanted to have them in there and and i picked i picked out a bunch of different recipes that are all sort of vermont related uh, maple syrup and type stuff and um, a lot of fall related stuff the book's set in the fall so um, uh, your your pumpkin pie type stuff um, and then 
I had a, a friend who who sort of vetted them and tested them all out for me and made changes to them and and made sure they they were fine and everything. And you know, my editor's like, just, just like it's not a big deal. No one's gonna you know probably actually make these. Don't worry about it. Oh, the first week it's out, you know, I see online someone has made made some of the cookies that are in there already, or the brownies. And I was like, oh, they got pictures of them and everything, and they're reviewing the recipe. And I'm like, what? You're not supposed to review the recipe. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And I think that shows that it's, you know, it's core target audience is appreciating it. And I guess that is yeah, a challenge, yeah. right? Like you have to kind of, when you're marketing something, you have to target that core demographic, but also kind of, I guess, the the wider audience. That's like a tricky. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, yeah. And so everybody who's into cozy mysteries has read it, has enjoyed it. I've had most people that are not into cozy mysteries have picked it up and enjoyed it. A few of them have been kind of like, oh, it's not as, you know, harder edged as maybe the Obama Bidens or something. And I'm like, well, yeah, you got to appropriate from, you know, the mindset of what is this thing you know it's it's so it's definitely it's definitely different there's a different feel to it there's a different tone to it and i'm like hopefully the people will pick up on the humor um but i can see some people going uh i don't know about this but again it it appeals to a whole new cozy audience that was not picking up the obama biden mysteries though mm-hmm. um because because those had a few it, I, I didn't think I could ever write a cozy, but uh, I had a few people say, hey, these books would be cozy if you took out the 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 one where Obama takes the shotgun and, and smashes someone's head in with the with it. I was like, you know, yeah, I guess I guess you're right. I was like, I was like, there is some pretty violent stuff in there. <laughs> 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 I'm like, I'm like, well, yeah. it needs to be there. It needed to be there. <laughs> it needed to be there for that book. It didn't need to be there for this book. So let's. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us. Uh, this was really great. Yeah. I do hope everybody picks this book up. Um, it's It was a lot of fun. And I love the Obama Biden mysteries too. And I'm really looking actually to pick up the um, the Edgar Allan Poe one that you did too, because that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> no, that one. Uh, you know, I don't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. It's oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did an Edgar Allan Poe parody a number of years ago. And it was, it was, uh, it was at the height of Fifty Shades of Grey. And I pitched it to my agent. I said, it's Edgar Allan Poe erotica. <laughs> and she was like, ew, who would want to read that? Um, the answer is nobody, basically. <laughs> I, you know, I have sold a few, though. When I'm, when I'm doing a, when I'm doing like a, an event or something or a book fair, someone will come up. There's always like one person that will come up and look at everything I have and then look at this and go, oh, <laughs> I need this. And I'm like, I'm like, you might need some help too. I don't know. <laughs> I know a couple of, you know, like 19th century literature specialists who need it, you know, so. <laughs> oh, you know, the hardest thing about writing an Edgar Allan Poe's voice, I it sort of mashed up his own stories, is he was not a great writer. He was, in terms of grammar and stuff, mm-hmm. it was all over the place. And he used like 12 semicolons in a paragraph or something. He was just all over the place. And it was because he edited a lot of his own work. Uh, He self-published so much of his own work, like with his own newspaper or whatever. And so I'm like, you know what? You probably could have helped. An editor would have been nice. Ed, (laughs) Ed, Ed, Ed. 
I don't know. Yeah, but he's 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 a singular singular fellow. Yeah, he really is, you know, and I'm glad that, you know, we have all these interpretations and I will be checking it out. Um, So thank you so much once again, Um, listeners. This has been Jen in conversation with Andrew Schaefer. Please pick up this new Bernie mystery, Feel the Burn. Uh, This is a thank you for (laughs) Jesus. I just totally lost track of the end there. I'm sorry. And it features recipes. (laughs) It is time to close this chapter. Goodbye. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.